0: is Bloomberg
1: Surveillance. Nominal GDP is actually slowing now. We've gone from almost 5% in late 2014 down to 3 If you look in this recovery, and especially since the Affordable Care Act passed, virtually all of the job growth has been in full-time jobs. What's changed,
2: I think, is we've kind of reached full employment, and there's a number of inflation indicators that are finally coming to life here a little bit.
0: Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio.
3: Good morning, I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 8 p.m. in the port of Shanghai, where things were quiet in February. Too quiet for investors who are selling off on a drop in Chinese exports. Never mind, China was on a holiday for 10 days during the month. Markets looking for a reason to sell off, and sell off they are. Right now, the stock 600 down... Three points, just about a percentage point. The DAX is off 111 points, 1.1%. This, in spite of the fact that they had a very strong industrial production report, According to some analysts, is going to mean stronger growth in the first quarter for Germany. U.S. futures lower 11 points down for the S&P E-mini futures, at six tenths, half a percent for Dow futures down 85. Nasdaq E-mini's down by 29, seven tenths of a percent. And believe it or not, these are all improvements off the lows of the day. Analysts say the rally may be a bit tired, needs a breather. The catalyst of higher oil prices isn't there today, at least not at the moment. West Texas. Down by four tenths, 15 cents at 37.75. Brent still well over $40, 40.76. Crossed that mark yesterday. That's a two tenths decline. Now those are pairing their losses. So we will see what impact oil has on the markets later today. The oil dollar correlation seems to be at work today. The dollar higher against uh, most of its major trading pairs. Bond yields are down. The 10 year at 1.85%, the five year 1.37, 88 basis points. Your two year. Uh, Thursday's ECB decision, wither rates there. A lot of talk about even more negative rates, but Germany's two-year yield higher this morning at negative 56 basis points. We'll be talking about that with Deutsche Bank's Dominic custom in a few moments. The first time today is International Women's Day. I do how you're planning to celebrate, but we have one of the world's most accomplished women yeah, with us. Bergdorf Goodman. <laughs> Her name is not Bergdorf Goodman. That's where Tom is going. <laughs> Her name is Sally Crouchett, years in senior positions on Wall Street, now yeah. the head of Elevate Network for Women and founder of a new digital investing platform for women, Elevest, which I was reading through this morning, some interesting articles on there. Thank you. Uh, you were telling Tom a short time ago, biggest part of the problem still, people like to work with people like them. And I know we can talk and talk and talk about, you know, look for talent, but people don't do that necessarily. You've been dealing with this for a long time. I'm wondering, we have new generations coming up, uh, younger people who may be growing up in a different Kind uh, that, that's for Tom, by the way. Serious, <laughs> it's serious. Yeah, please. Let me take you out the phone.
4: <laughs> Wait, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yes, the seventh sorry, floor. Sorry, honey. Honey, this, I'm on, honey, I'm on I the radio. I told you never pie? to call me. Gary. <laughs> yeah,
3: The seventh floor at 12 noon.
5: Gary, yeah. I'm on the radio.
4: Uh,
3: <laughs> as a new generation comes to work, and gains power. Do you see that changing? I, uh, I, when you the said, old
4: pipeline When issues. you said that to Tom
3: this morning, though, you know what went through my mind? Right. That old New Yorker cartoon, on the Internet, nobody knows you're a dog. As right. we get right. more... Into, you know, work that isn't defined by sitting next to a person of the mm-hmm. same gender, does it change?
4: I think a couple of things. I think I was very fortunate that I stumbled upon being an equity research analyst, which is just very numbers oriented. Nobody ever turned down one of my research reports. But Oh, it was written by a girl. Or, gee, she wrote it on a Sunday afternoon as opposed to a Thursday because she was doing the whole work-life balance thing. So I think there's that, but I think the idea of relying upon it's a pipeline issue and the pipeline's better on Wall Street simply isn't right. I mean, we have the same percentage of women in these investment banking classes that we had when I got in in the, you know – (laughs) (laughs) Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Super you're, late you're younger ladies, and better looking the than the two of us. Super, so ladies. Really well, I certainly yeah. hope so. Uh, but, you know, but, but so what, so I think relying on that doesn't work. I thought it was over when I got out of college. I, I thought the whole thing, the whole, you know, women are going to make it as far as men. It was done, in my opinion. But all those men got to retire at some point, right? The, the, the
3: people who aren't hiring people based on talent, but based on, you know... They well, then the like
4: question them. is, can we over... Do the younger folks have fewer gender biases than we do? That's and the maybe question they I'm do. Maybe, maybe they do. And, and I do find, you know, you talk to these young men and young women, and they take equality as being a given. But... But, you know, we need to be vigilant because we all have these biases. And even though the research is so clear that diverse teams lead to higher returns, lower risk, greater client focus, greater long-term focus, greater innovation, that diverse teams outperform smarter teams, even with all of this, you know, you look at that and you say, yeah, but that's true for other teams. I want to work with my buddy, Joe.
5: Yeah. One of the things I see here is almost a cultural thing. There was a great map out on Twitter last night of where women are doing better politically. Mm -hmm. Australia, all of Europe is green on the map. And the U.S. isn't there. How much of the challenge that you've lived and that you have studied here, particularly in the last 10 years, how much of it is just outright American culture?
4: Well, I think some of it is that we tend to bring in people who are quite different when things are really quite broken. And so, Tom, you'll remember when I was brought in to run Smith Barney and the research business of Citi, it's because the research business, we we they'd gone through a scandal, it was broken. And you can't tell me that part of the appeal was this woman looks, acts, thinks so differently than what came before. Same thing when I was brought in to turn around Merrill Lynch, that, you know, this was a broken business Um, you know, that we'd gone through the crisis, there were difficulties. Great advisors, great advisors, but the attrition rate was very high, Mm -hmm. and there was something about we need a change and we need a symbolic change. Some people call it the glass cliff. Bring in a woman when things are broken. Bring in a person of color. Hopefully they make it.
5: Well, well, let's continue that discussion. Sally Quattrick with us this morning as we look at so much of uh, Wall Street. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Invesco. Looking for investment views, experienced experts are just to click away. Go to Invesco.com slash US to subscribe to the Invesco blog. Follow them at at Invesco US on Twitter, at I-N-V-E-S-C-O, at Invesco US. You can do that on Twitter. Sally Krochuk with us. And Sally, I want to go back to, uh, what you and I've talked about many, many times is I'm seeing a lot more women go into engineering. And go into science. There's no question Mm -hmm. among, you know, the friends of my kids and all that, they're they're, they're going for some form of STEM um, structure. That makes me hugely optimistic 10 years out. They're just smarter.
4: Yeah, well, they may or may not be smarter, but you love to see it. What I do fret about is that women do and girls do still get messages, we're not good at math.
5: You know, exactly. And I look
4: at my old world. Tom. What are we going to do about that? Well, look, I look at my old world. There's a gender investing gap. There's a gender investing gap. And if we think about Wall Street, the, the bent of the employees on Wall Street, <clears throat> the what we do on Wall Street, it's, it gets male pretty quickly. We outperform. We beat the market. We pick the manager. And then we're telling women, you need more financial education you need more hand-holding, you're not good at math, you know, and women tend to, because we we're we great students, the research is clear, we love getting those A's, we tend to have all that financial education, all those documents next to our bed, and we say we're going to read them when yeah, we don't.
5: You, you so, it's I mean, you us a me, You came out of Chapel Hill, yep. and you knew F, FV equals PV one plus R to the T, you knew the exponential function, you knew the five-ratio DuPont function, no. and that.
4: No, I was a journalism major actually Okay so three years later, you were lazy <laughs> I, I knew a lot of basketball and beer yeah. but that well, came, that's that was just kids come yeah, out like no to the, point, to the point to the
5: point you had the initiative to learn the fundamental dynamics so you could be an executive down the road. Do you see that trend building?
4: Yeah, but look, you know, I, again, I wouldn't push it back on the women, right? It's, you know, okay, women, work harder, take other different classes. I would say I, I certainly worked hard, but I did happen into a company and a type of business that was really gender, color, background blind. Um, being an equity research analyst for me was such serendipity. And so don't make it, you know, women, you better keep changing. In order, I mean, we've got this gender investing gap. We somehow tell women it's their fault. Well, how about we change? How about we start to, as we're trying to at ELEVEST, look at what they need to invest, and it's not necessarily being correct when the euro outperforms yen.
3: Well, let, uh, we need an hour. With Sally, Tom, uh, we, we absolutely don't have enough time. So in the very short time we have mm-hmm. left, about 30 seconds left, why don't we let you do a shameless plug? Tell us about LFS <laughs> and Elevate. You, you were
4: going there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I am so excited about Elevest right now. For years I told myself women didn't need something different on investing. But the the numbers speak for themselves, and so we've done an enormous amount of research. We're in beta right now on Elevest, a digital investment platform for women that really speaks to their needs. We're sort of keeping it super secret right now. And then I'm also the chair of Elevate Network, which is tens of thousands of women strong. Um, it's a network that helps them advance in business because networking is the number one unwritten rule of success in business. You guys do it better than we ladies do, so we're trying to help. So two two of those mm. big initiatives.
5: Sally, thank you so much for coming in. Thank Wonderful you. Wonderful to see Thanks you. Thanks for having me. And Sally Krawchuk uh, with vest. Uh, futures negative six, they've improved a little bit. Dow futures negative 35. We're going to quote euro yen because Sally says it doesn't matter. 124.57,
3: stronger yet weaker euro. Uh, this but what does morning. it mean, Tom?
5: There it is, euro yen. <laughs>
3: Let's check with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national
6: headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Voters, will head to the polls today for presidential primaries. Republicans have contests in Michigan, Mississippi, Idaho, and Hawaii. Democrats have primaries in Michigan and Mississippi. The European Union is close to a deal with Turkey on a cap on the inflow of migrants. Turkey made a plea at the last minute for concessions at the Brussels Summit calling on the block to double its financial aid to Turkey to 6 billion euros, or $6.6 billion. Cell phones could be a big distraction for drivers and people walking on the street. A new report by the Governor's Highway Safety Association says that could be a factor in the rise in pedestrian deaths. According to the report, pedestrian deaths surged by an estimated 10% last year. More people were driving more miles because the economy improved and gas prices plunged. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. And Michael, thanks
5: so much. Futures, negative 6. Down futures, negative 39. Next, Dominic Constum of Deutsche Bank. This is Bloomberg Surveillance.
3: Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart and efficient choice to manage your philanthropy. Call 212-752-8277.
0: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Eisner Amper. When entrepreneurs face challenges like choosing a business structure or access to capital, they call the accountants and advisors at Eisner Amper. Connect with them, EisnerAmper.com slash tech. Global stocks are dropping as a slump in Chinese exports dragged commodity prices lower and brought equities' five-day winning streak to a halt. Japanese government bonds are surging in a haven asset rally that is lifting the yen, gold, and treasuries. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P e-mini futures down 8.5 points. Dow e-mini futures down 60. NASDAQ e-mini futures down 22. The DAX in Germany is down half Ten-year treasury up 16.30 seconds. The yield 1.84%. NYMEX crude oil down a tenth of a percent or 4 cents. COMEX gold up 9 tenths percent or $11.20 dollars 20 the euro, a dollar ten fifteen. The yen, one thirteen point oh seven. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
3: Thank you, Karen Mosko. Uh, joining us now, Dominic Contham. He's global head of rates research at Deutsche Bank. And let's uh, have you put on your uh, global hat because the big issue of the week is the European Central Bank and what they're going to do. You're on record as saying they're going to do more, but it may not be what many in the market thinks. It's not necessarily going to be a a deep cut in uh, the deposit rate. Right, so
7: the concern uh, recently has obviously been uh, negative rates and the extent to which they may be hurting uh, the financial system, uh, although, uh, on the other hand, uh, and helping the economy, um, and the issue is if they cut too deeply, some people are going to perhaps worry again about uh, the, the financial system in terms of uh, profitability uh, being a concern
3: for raising capital and things like that. Well, the question is, on the other side, uh, do they even have an impact. We are not seeing a big increase in bank lending in uh, countries where they have imposed in in larger open economies where they have imposed negative rates. Well, I think some people look at uh, Sweden and Switzerland as uh,
7: negative rates actually being quite helpful. Uh, I think the issue uh, there has been the structure of the balance sheets of the banks, whereby uh, perhaps they have sort of higher loan deposit ratios in contrast to, say, uh, the Japanese system and perhaps some of the uh, other uh, core European banks. So I think it's an open debate. So certainly the policymakers are on record as being quite constructive on uh, how uh, negative interest rates are helping the economy and have the potential to, 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 to raise lending in growth. Potential, but the proof is not there yet. Uh, not, not, not definitively, but perhaps going in that direction. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't rule it out. And uh, I think the only issue is, uh, comes down to spreads, basically, the idea that uh, you know, banks are constrained mm-hmm. to some extent on the deposit side because they t- can't pass through those negative rates. Uh, and perhaps uh, there's a transitional phase whereby the assets that they're buying, uh, you know, they've got to be encouraged to, to, to take on uh, sort of assets that are yielding more, which obviously means a little bit more risky, but those, those mm-hmm. riskier loans, are perhaps more supportive to growth? It's
5: always great when you're on. Out on Twitter, somebody said, Dominic Constant, he's a socialist. (laughs) And of course, you know, it's an analysis of balance sheet dynamics. There's an American strand, a Lockean American ethos, everyone for themselves, and if we had less taxes, things would solve out. It's sort of of a pseudo-supply side feel. Can America move forward given the realities of global balance sheets? And, and just the the mass, the uh, the inertial mass of the global system, that that 19th century American spirit. Can yeah, retain?
7: Well, I mean, uh, I'm definitely not a socialist. <laughs> everyone who knows me, <laughs> um, uh, I'm a libertarian, though. And I guess my only issue uh, is I sort of understand the role that sort of uh, socialist economics has, and I and there is a certain logic to uh, when you have a problem, how you deal with it, and having to just accept that there needs to be some sort of transfer. Uh, if you're, you know, so, we have a we have a low growth problem, and we have some debt. Okay, problems. so we got Draghi on Thursday.
5: Right. He He's working within different flavors and sets of austerity or at the minimum with one hand tied behind his back with no fiscal effort, right?
7: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, he's in a really difficult position uh, in the sense that he's, uh, he's the only person who's really sort of d- doing the heavy lifting in terms of uh, um, European growth and trying to sort of keep the, the, whole, uh, the, whole, uh, uh, the whole union together and being challenged from left and right, including the, the Brexit issue. Um, but, but, I mean, I think within that confines, he's doing a pretty good job uh, and he is delivering. And uh, I think the key thing for Draghi is to basically make it clear that he understands all the issues that people have. So, for example, regarding uh, the role of banks and uh, banks being profitable enough to sustain growth in the broader economy, he understands that. And he doesn't have to necessarily do anything explicit about it. But he needs to make people feel comfortable that if it becomes an issue later on, then, then he's, he's
3: there to help out, basically. If they uh, don't do a significant cut in uh, the deposit rate and they do more QE, as you suggest. How are they going to do that? They're at a point where they're, they're going to have trouble buying bonds right. in certain companies.
7: Well, well, remember, I mean, they, they can also cut the refi rate as well. So that's going to be perhaps the most interesting thing because there the refi rate is slightly above zero. I mean, you could take it negative. People may complain that, oh, look, you're paying banks to borrow money uh, from, from the ECB. But then obviously if the banks are then taking that and, uh, and on lending it in a more aggressive way, then that will be very good for profitability. So they could do that. The QE thing is, uh, there's lots of things they can do in QE. I mean, they are, once they cut the deposit rate, they can buy more bonds because there is a limit to what they can buy uh, if anything's trading below the deposit rate. So they've got that. And they can obviously signal other types of assets that they may be but willing to buy To, to What you
5: said two hours ago is demand there for that new money. It's a demand issue, yeah. as you stated.
7: Yeah. I mean, it's really difficult. I mean, I don't think it's really difficult. I mean, I, I take I take an example where, you know, if I were to pay you to take a mortgage from me, you know, would you do it? And I do that with, when I have client meetings. I go and I ask the room, you know, how many of you would bought, you know, take a loan if I was going to pay you 1%? And, you know, a few people will get up and say, oh, definitely not, you know, because I have to pay this back, you know, something. Sort of and all uh, or, or some people will say, well, you know, more, more subtly, some people say, well, yeah, but if uh, rates are going to continue to fall maybe I'll delay for example you know I don't necessarily want to lock it in now I may have credit issues of refinancing and things like that so so there are those more subtle issues but in general most people would would, would borrow would, would take the loan so I'm not entirely convinced that uh, you know there's, there's always a demand problem and I keep coming back to one of my basic economic tenets which is supply creates its own demand if you supply these loans someone will probably take them but you've got to supply them at the right price Brilliant. I'll take a little. <laughs> it's got to be so the that, right price, though. That is our yeah.
5: weekly briefing from Dominic Constant. Yeah. Good, good to have you in. Dominic Constant with Deutsche Bank, had a rate strategy uh, there, and uh, just terrific work over the years into, during, and out of this crisis. It just, it, it, it just never gets dull, Mike.
3: Well, I, I mean, wish it would.
5: You not. Know, <laughs> I'm sure
3: I wishes it would for a little while.
5: Three-month T-bill, <laughs> 0.30%. Ten-year yield, 1.85%. I believe we're still ultra-accommodative in this way or that way. Stay with us. More of Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning.
3: Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon, named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by the banker. That's the power of global connections, Bank of America, NAFDIC.
0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991; to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance.
3: Good morning. It is 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keane, and it's about two hours away from the start of trading, uh may be interesting today because we saw futures down significantly. They're paring their losses. S&P futures now down eight points. Uh, as oil prices start to rise, Brent crude is now up by two-tenths, 40.93. We'll see if we get over the $41 mark. There are some company stories you'll want to know about. Burberry shares are up more than 4.5%. Speculation, the U.K.'s biggest luxury goods producer, setting up defenses against a potential takeover offer. Made a record gain in iron oil prices via the world's biggest producer, signing an accord with Fortescue Metals Group. Could see the Brazilian company take as much as 15% minority stake. In the Australian miner, and here's an interesting story. The swings in the stock market causing headaches for both Connecticut politicians and investors in the state's bonds because Connecticut lowering its estimates for personal income taxes for the current fiscal year three times in the past four months, blaming last year's stock market losses, stemming capital gains revenue. A lot of investors in Connecticut. Now let's check in with Michael Barr. We want to get the latest world and national headlines. But-
6: Frank, thank you very much. Democrat Hillary Clinton and a Republican Donald Trump are the favorites as voters in Michigan head to the polls today for the presidential primaries. Democrats also will be voting in Mississippi. For Republicans, they will also head to the polls in Mississippi, Idaho, and and Hawaii. Donald Trump campaigned yesterday in Madison, Mississippi. Trump told the crowd he has heard from Christian leaders who say they are too intimidated to publicly endorse him.
8: People came up to me, Mr. Trump, I love you. You're the best. You're going to be the greatest leader. You're going to be, I want to endorse you. I'm endorsing you. But I'm not allowed to do it publicly, because if I do it publicly, I may lose for the church the tax-exempt status.
6: At least nine people were injured after a commuter train derailed last night in Northern California. According to the train's operator, a tree fell across the tracks and caused the derailment. Israel today refuted a White House claim that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu surprised the Obama administration by canceling a plan to visit Washington later this month. Israel says the White House knew Netanyahu was considering not coming. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. And more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr.
3: Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Here's John Stashower. John.
9: All right, Mike, they are dancing in the streets of New Rochelle this morning. Iona College going back to the NCAA Tournament after winning a nip and tuck affair with Monmouth in the Metro Atlantic Final in Albany. 79-76, they Question now is, does Monmouth get an invitation? The MAC normally does not get two teams in, but the Hawks won 27 games, including road wins at Notre Dame, Georgetown, USC, and UCLA. Hofstra hasn't been to the NCAA since Villanova's Jay Wright was the coach in 2001, had a 12 point lead in the Colonial Final in Baltimore, but the Pride lost to North Carolina Wilmington 80 to 73 in overtime. When word came Sunday, Maria Sharapova major announcement, the feeling that she, like Peyton Manning, was going to retire instead. She announced she failed a drug test at the Australian Open. She awaits a suspension. Five-time Grand Slam winner says she hopes to continue playing. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stash.
3: Thank you, John. As we mentioned, futures continue to improve. The S&P futures now down by seven points. We'll see where that goes on the day. Of course, we've had a long winning streak for the S&P after a tough start to the year. Now we see Brent crude up by three-tenths of a percent, and West Texas has turned higher by about a tenth of a percent, 37.92. This is Bloomberg Worldwide. And this is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee. Along with Tom Keene, I mentioned uh, the stock market. Dow e-mini futures uh, down 57 now. That's an improvement, believe it or not. Three tenths of a percent. Nasdaq futures off by 21, half a percent. Europe is improving as well. The stock 600 pairing losses now down two points, uh, half a percent. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with Government and industry to apply the university's world class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at NJIT. Edu. Here's
8: Bob Moon. Michael, good morning, and coming up on 735 on Wall Street, here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Cybersecurity experts are pointing to the first widespread ransomware attack on Apple computers as a sign the hacking underworld sees a lucrative target beyond the dominant Windows computer market. Researchers at Palo Alto Networks discovered the malicious software at the end of last week in the transmission project. A file-sharing software provider estimates 6,500 Macs have been infected. Once downloaded and installed, the bug demanded that users pay one bitcoin to decrypt the data, or about $411 at Friday's prices. Verizon Communications was fined $1.35 million by U.S. regulators for failing to tell wireless customers about a technology that tracked them as they traveled from site to site on the Internet. The Federal Communications Commission says Verizon agrees to tell customers more about how they're tracked and to get their permission before beginning some tracking. And online retailers' early moves suggest they'll be among the first to use augmented and virtual reality. One-third of consumer goods technology executives plan to use VR, according to eMarketer. Meanwhile, 64% of consumers would like to use VR to view products virtually online. One example of how it's being used, IKEA's catalog app allows users to place virtual furniture in a room. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael, maybe someday you can the virtual you can ride to work right next to your listeners.
3: It would be nice if the virtual me could do my job and I could stay home. (laughs) (laughs) Bob Moon. Thank you very much. Well, here's a statistic. It's International Women's Day. Here's a statistic from Harvard University. Although nearly equal numbers of American men and women now go into medicine and law, and more women than men graduate from college and graduate school, women still make up only 4% of Fortune 500 CEOs, 19% of Congress, and they they still make less uh, per dollar than men. We have Iris Bonnet with us from Harvard's Kennedy School, a professor of public policy, who is the author of a new book, What Works Gender Equality by uh, Design. Uh, Iris Bonnet, uh, what works? Your argument is that we need to go beyond hoping people change their attitudes.
2: That's exactly right. I am arguing that we should stop trying to debias mindsets and debias organizations and how we do things more generally.
3: How do you do that?
2: Take the example of orchestras. Many of the major symphony orchestras introduced curtains in the 1970s and had musicians audition behind curtains. And what they found was that that increased the likelihood that women would make the cut by about 50 percentage points. In the 70s, we had about 5% female musicians on major symphony orchestras. Today, that fraction is almost 40%. The screen is a behavioral intervention, a design change that doesn't change mindsets, but changes how we evaluate people.
3: How, I have to work with somebody. I have to sit next to somebody. I have to deal with somebody. How do I screen without knowing their gender?
2: So many increasing, actually, an increasing number of organizations now do blind evaluations, at least in the first round of evaluations. And software helps companies do that. So certainly early on in the screening process, we can easily do that. But the screen really is more of a metaphor than an actual thing that everyone should go through the whole interview process. But there's lots we can do during that stage as well. So, for example, sadly enough, interpersonal interviews are very bad predictors of future performance.
3: Well, uh, that may be true, but I'm still going to want to meet with the person to understand what kind of person they are and whether or not I would like working with them.
2: That's exactly right. So what you should do is couple the interview with two things. One, you should ideally have a work sample test. That is the best predictor of future performance. And secondly, instead of using an unstructured interview, you should force yourself, tie yourself to the mast and use a structured interview where you ask a candidate the same five questions.
3: Now, how how else can we get more women into higher-level positions, not just into the company?
2: Yeah, that's an excellent question because, as you rightly point out, where we – typically see the gaps is in promotion, not so much at the entry level. That's not so much a pipeline problem anymore, at least in many disciplines, not in all, but in many disciplines. And so for promotions, there are two low-hanging fruit that I would recommend every company think about. The first one is for performance appraisals, think hard about how you use potential when you evaluate your employees. That's where we typically see gender bias creep in because performance is more easily measurable. And another low-hanging fruit that many companies could do away with is sharing employee self-evaluations with their supervisors. These numbers, self-rankings or self-ratings, will affect a manager's evaluation of the employee. And if women are less self-confident than men, that will bias a manager's evaluations.
3: Iris Monet from uh, Harvard's Kennedy School. The book is called What Works, Gender Equality by Design. A very important work on International Women's Day, a very important work any day. We don't want to just confine it to that. So thank you for joining us today here on Bloomberg Surveillance. Well, we are watching what works in the markets not work today, the S&P's winning streak uh, in danger of stopping As we watch futures uh, once again deteriorate, now down nine points, four-tenths of a percent. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. We're counting you down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. Stock Index futures are signaling equities will halt their best winning streak in five months after worsening economic data from Asia reignited concern over the outlook for global growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 8.5 points. Dow E-mini futures down 58. And NASDAQ E-mini futures down 22. DAX in Germany is down 4 tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up 18.30 seconds. The yield 1.84%. Yield on the two-year 0.86%. NYMEX crude oil up a quarter percent or 12 cents to 38.02 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 9 tenths percent or 11.90 dollars 90 to 12.75.70 an ounce. The euro, $1.1026. The yen's 113 even. Some stocks moving in early trading. Dick's sporting goods down more than 7 percent. Fourth quarter profit missing analyst estimates, and it said first quarter profit may also disappoint. Urban Outfitters is up 10 percent this morning, while fourth quarter profit beat. Analyst estimates an iron ore's rally stalling today after a record 19% advance a day earlier as banks from Goldman Sachs Group to Citigroup, together with some of the largest miners, said that the surge wasn't likely to endure. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
5: Karen, uh, thanks so much. Uh, Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Inter- Interactive Brokers. Are your returns dragged down by high transaction costs? Trade up to Interactive Brokers, where our lower costs can help you maximize your returns, visit ibkr.com slash save more for more
3: information. Michael? We have identified that whale you heard yesterday afternoon uh, from the direction of uh, Wisconsin Avenue in uh, Washington, D.C. It was NBC's Chuck Todd, the host of Meet the Press, when he got the news that Michael Bloomberg, the uh, founder (laughs) and majority owner of uh, this uh, radio station in Bloomberg LP, was not going to run for president. Uh, I, you were not endorsing him, but you would have, as a political reporter, you would have loved to have an a well-financed, credible independent in the race.
10: Always shake it up, uh, number one, uh, force both parties to be more accountable, number two, and it would have engaged more voters, number three. I mean, I, look, I'm for it because it would have, you know, guaranteed more states in play, guaranteed that the candidates would have to talk to more voters and talk to others. So there's, there's a lot of good that would have come out of a, a third-party bid. Um, But, you know, I, I, everybody I've talked to very close to Mayor Bloomberg essentially said he wanted a path to victory and he couldn't find one. Uh, and the only path he kept finding was a path for Donald Trump to win if he got in in a Clinton-Trump scenario.
3: Do you agree with that analysis?
10: I do. I think that he would have taken votes away from her in places like Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, New York, particularly in the Rust Belt and the Northeast Corridor. And that would have opened the door for Trump to carry those states, uh, and and I think would have messed up her mm. map. He had a better shot if Sanders had been had been making more noise in the Democratic side. Um, you could see that possibility, but uh, with Hillary Clinton, I think they share too many positions, particularly on guns, and, uh, on, on yeah. foreign affairs, things like that. That that they'd split vote. They'd more likely split vote more so than. Uh, Bloomberg
5: and Trump. Uh, Chuck, the most intelligent tweet I've seen of the political season was from one S. Guthrie at NBC, suggesting that we should all have a drinking game when Chuck Todd refers to the Whig Party, <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, which, which, is, which is great, but also exceptionally important. The right. Whig Party is attacking Mr. Trump, and it, it, it morphs every day. Where are we on this Tuesday as the Whig Party tries to move forward?
10: Well, you know it's interesting, and obviously, in case people are wondering what we're, why we keep talking about the Whigs, essentially the the, the the conservative party before there was the Republican Party was the Whigs, and they were having their own. Uh, they, you know, they splintered, and the Republican Party was formed. Uh, Abe Lincoln wins, and, and the rest is history. And essentially, you know, there's a split inside this party. The rank and file want uh, one, one definition of what conservatism is, and the elites. Uh, the ones that run the party have another definition. That's really what's going on here, right? And it's about you know the, the, this is this rank and file working class wing of the Republican Party that's yeah. been there for tw- 30 years, but they got lured in by social issues, and now they're saying, hey, wait a minute, none of your economic policies have benefited us, and we're tired of it,
5: right? And
10: and that's where this is that's that's Trump's track. It speaks right? to As a lot. It, of.
5: it speaks to a lot of Michigan. What will you look for tonight? I mean, if we assume uh, Trump it, does exactly. well, what's the Michigan, backstory? It,
10: Michigan is the symbol of Donald Trump, right? This should be his – this should be the heart and soul of where he does well. Um, I think what I'm looking for are margins tonight. Both Michigan and Mississippi should be big Trump states. How big are they going to be? If they are big double-digit wins, are we calling it right when the polls close? That tells you that that Trump is – you know, that that Saturday was a blip. Maybe the Romney stuff didn't have an impact. But if Trump struggles tonight, you know, even if he wins both states, but it's very narrow, single digits, less than five points. Um, then I think we start putting, connecting the dots and saying, you know what? Starting last Thursday with Mitt Romney, then that vulgar debate, then the results on Saturday, maybe something's happening here, and, and Trump's starting to lose a, little, we're a starting, little a little elevation.
3: We're starting to see uh, polls suggest that's happening. We have seen big jumps in uh, We've
10: been through this approval. before, though, haven't we?
3: Yeah.
10: In the voters' vote.
3: Well, you know, we have not been through this uh, seeing John Kasich pick up support.
10: Well, that's right. So we'll see. I mean, look, there's a lot of... I am, like I like I said, on paper, Michigan and Mississippi seem to be perfect Trump states. And that's why tonight margins matter to me <clears> more than anything else.
3: Well, we then go on to uh, the, the next version of Super Tuesday, which really is, in a way, because you get into the winner-take-all states, and you've got... Uh, Kasich still running uh, strong in Ohio. Gotta overcome Trump. But, uh, the big question is Florida. Marco Rubio has lost some support, but the anti-Trump forces are pouring a ton of money into that state. Uh, what's it look like then?
10: Well, look, I think, look, I think Rubio is slowly making gains. Um, but I don't think, you know, he's still behind. And there's a ton of money being, a ton of anti-Trump money being poured into the state. We'll see. I think tonight, it's going to be another tough night for, for Rubio. There's a chance he finishes fourth in both Michigan and Mississippi. Mm. These are states Kasich has put some effort into, and mm. wherever Kasich has put effort, he's finished ahead of Rubio in just about every every state where he's, he you know he's he picks and chooses right. the states that he that he competes in. That's not a good place for Marco Rubio tonight. Um, and I'm hosting a town hall with him tomorrow. I'll be curious to see what kind of mood he's right. in if it's two fourth place finishes with six states to go in fourth.
5: Chuck, I want to ask you a question about uh, the industry. I've had a huge response from our listeners and our viewers about the state of Chuck Todd's world. You're working with NBC. You're working with MSNBC across cable news. How do we get the discourse back in cable news political coverage, or is it forever gone? Are we are we just
10: I don't know. drowning
5: I mean, in expertology? <laughs>
10: I don't know what to, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I, I've been listening to some podcasts on media criticism lately and, and I, I, I hear it, right? I, I get what some folks
5: are. Oh, I'm not saying you're line. not doing it, but I, no, I was dumbfounded. I think,
10: look, I, look, I do think that it's, I'd like to think that we're, we're trying to do it a little bit better than our two competitors. I think our two competitors have, are, are, are pushing the envelope on, on going downward. Uh, I'd like to think they're doing it a little bit faster uh, than than we are. We're trying not to. I mean, some of us are trying really hard not to go down that road. So yeah. I get it. I understand it. I guess my feeling is, is that's the beauty of digital. That's the beauty of all these other places where there's there is an opportunity to get respectful discourse in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it does start with the candidates. You know, I think let's remember this. This is not the. You can blame the media for coverage, but the candidate. You know, we can have a higher, we can have a higher round debate if, if the frontrunner chose to have
5: All one. Right. Chuck Todd, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. This morning he is moderator of Meet the Press NBC, working with MSNBC, uh, as well. Look for that on Bloomberg Radio. You can see, uh, listen to that rather Sunday uh, afternoon. Uh, Chuck Todd with NBC. Mike, um, I, I Super Tuesday, you and I, uh, took in a hockey game and I, I went back to the, the Mance and, uh, the Motel Six. And I, I was just dazzled by what I heard on cable news. It was, it was painful.
3: It's you terrible. Just, it was,
5: well. I mean, you lived it with your wonderful comments yesterday about the Reagans. I mean, you've seen the generational change. The problem, uh,
3: the problem is, is that, uh, the, the worst and the stupidest draw the biggest ratings. <clears throat> and yeah. it is not about. And that's a pressure to is, Chuck Todd in real it time. It is not about, and it has for many, many, many years not been about covering the issues. issues get some stories, but uh, let's face it, everybody Mm -hmm. likes to say, uh, to cover the he said, she said aspect of it, except here on Bloomberg Surveillance, and we proudly try not to do that. Uh, We try to stick with... The issues in yeah. covering politics. It's good to talk
5: to Chuck Todd. Of course, Michigan coverage. Look for with all due respect, Nobody Mark bet. Halperin.
3: Really terrific.
5: And John Heilman uh, uh, tonight. I I loved how the other day Anderson Cooper. I don't know if I mentioned this on radio yesterday, Mike. Anderson Cooper was talking about Mrs. Reagan, and the last time he saw her and met with her, she was reading Mark Halperin's book,
3: Heilman's book, Game Change. Well, uh, that was uh, that was the last election. Talk about. <clears throat> seems ancient history. <laughs> I mean, maybe the game changed a little that four years ago, but, boy, did it change in the last year. You wonder what years.
5: the title of the next helper in Heilman Tone uh, will be. Meltdown. Meltdown. Yeah, you know, they'll 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 so probably steal three their Mile film.
3: Island on the cover.
5: <laughs> Well, there it is. Coverage tonight of Michigan and then on to Florida, of course, uh, next Tuesday. We look at the uh, markets through the lens of economics, finance, and investment. Uh, what's going on this morning? Well, uh, actually, green on the screen on oil. Brent crude, forty one forty a barrel, up fifty six cents right now. Uh, West Texas Intermediate, thirty eight twenty nine. That gets your attention. This is what we have to watch. That's what we have to watch. Oil lifting
4: with commodities. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.